In a world where mental health problems are used as common tropes in various forms of storytelling, therapist Ryan Engelstad and executive producer Mike Graham try to determine what lines up with real life and what is just exaggerated fantasy. Listen as we delve into the fantastical tales told about mental health in books, movies, and television. This is Pop Psych 101. Welcome back to Pop Psych 101. I am co-host and producer Mike Graham. And everyone, I am back on the show. This is my first episode back in a while. I want to say, everyone, thank you so much for all the grace that everyone gave me in the time that I was gone. Uh, I was gone with uh, a medical issue in the family. And uh, so I had to take a step down for a while. So the first off, before I get going here, I just wanted to kind of explain that and that I'm back next week. Ryan and I will be starting up together again, as usual, every Monday, releasing episodes um, on the regular like we normally do. But this week, uh, I, I decided I wanted to, before Ryan and I joined forces again, I wanted to do something a little bit different because uh, while I was gone, we had one of our awesome podcaster friends, Dean from Podscure, uh, he filled in for me. And he edited the episode, and he did such an awesome job on Fleabag. Um, and thank you so much, Dean. But I just kind of got inspired to um, do an episode um, over a subject with a friend that that we might um, have some insight to. So what I did is I brought my friend Steve aboard. Hi, everyone. It's nice to be here. Glad to see you back as well, Mike. That's right. Thank you, Steve. So everyone, that is Steve Riker. He's a really good friend of mine. And uh, basically what we're going to be doing is we're going over um, a a musical-related episode today. And Steve, why why is it good that I brought you aboard today? Uh, Mike and I have a very long-standing history of art together. A, a while back, we tried to write a book. Yeah. Uh, we're both very much into music. <laughs> yep. Uh, and it's one of the things that we connect over. So Mike asked me if I would like to come on board to do an, uh, a podcast episode about music. And I, of course, jumped at the opportunity. Yeah, and I'm thank you so much, Steve, for that, because I think this is going to be really good. What we're doing today is is I ended up watching a documentary called Daniel, uh, or excuse me, The Devil and Daniel Johnston. And and we'll definitely get into all that, but it just hit really close to home. And uh, I've talked about mental health and the arts before, but I really wanted to dive in deep. And um, uh, you know, Steve is just the kind of the perfect person to sit down and do that with me. So thank you so much, Steve. Yeah, it was a it was a great movie. I, I'm glad you brought it to my attention. It it really did open up my eyes toward a new artist and and show me that there's. Uh, you know, a little more out there than than I had previously been privy to. So it's it was a, a good watch, honestly. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of fun preparing for this show. But okay, so uh, not to hang on too much longer. Again, thank you so much for any patience. And I'm super happy to be back. Next week, Ryan and I will be doing um, a documentary with each other and getting started all over again every Monday. But uh, I guess let's get on with it. Let's roll. Daniel Johnston, 
Manic depressive genius, singer, songwriter, and artist is revealed in this portrait of madness, creativity, and love. The Devil in Daniel Johnston is a 2005 documentary film that chronicles Johnston's life from childhood up to the present with an emphasis on his experiences with bipolar disorder and how it manifested itself in demonic self-obsession. Wow. Thank you so much for reading that, Steve. Yeah, that, no problem. That sounds intense. Um, watching it, it was very intense. You know, you you sort of get... Uh, a little bit of of both sides of his life, both the artistic side and all of the the turmoil and things that he went through, and and a lot of it being, uh, you know, trauma based and things that it, it almost feels like were caused by a lot of his life experience. And so you see, sort of the artist side of Daniel Johnston, and then you see the troubled side of Daniel Johnston in this movie. Yeah, it's pretty deep, and I'm really happy to get into this, guys. You've heard me talk about it on the show before. My thoughts about um, comments that are frequently made in popular culture about um, what would be considered genius artists that um, that are uh, only geniuses because they had a mental illness or that it helped them in some way and that kind of stuff. And I have opinions about that. But before we really get diving in, uh, we have a couple things up top to say, and that would be one – uh, Steve, we are not experts. We are not experts. So Ryan is not on the show today. So you got two just like regular dudes. Dudes being dudes, <laughs> talking about music. Yeah, so this is going to be, there There might be a lot more, less um, a deep insight uh, from that side of it this week. I hope that's okay. But this is, this is going to be coming from our stance as musicians and uh, two people who both deal with mental health issues. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's really where a lot of this connected with me is that a lot of my musical writing comes from a place of you know, trouble. And, and I'm very much a blues artist. I sing a lot of, uh, you know, uh, reflective music, things that are sort of reflective on my life, reflective on situations that I've gone through, things that I've seen. So to see another artist who's sort of molded um, his experience by these this same sort of uh, life cycle, this music thing, yeah. uh, is, is really... It hits people in different ways, and it was very cool to see that. Yeah, yeah, definitely hit home. Um, so, so we're not experts, and uh, you know, we might trip over things, and so, or you know, we might call out things that might not be like DSM five ready. But you know, we're gonna try our best, and it's just coming from our perspective on this, right. which I think we're pretty close to. And then uh, the other thing we want to get out of the way right now because we don't want to harp on this too much over the course of the episode, and that is our thoughts about Daniel Johnson's musical ability? Uh, I would say that he is uh, one of a kind, would be the best way that I can put it. He's right. not the most talented musician. He's not the most uh, you know, sound theoretical musician, but the way that he writes is has a purity about it that's unique and yeah. that you don't ever really see in a lot of artists. Um, and and he, he none, nothing that he has ever put out sounds commercial it doesn't sound like he's pandering it's just him it's straight from the soul and i think steve and i both agreed that like he is a musical genius absolutely but, but, but it's more than that he's really just like an artistic genius and in a really natural raw way 
Uh, and he's also the kind of artist that you have to give a chance and take a second. But once you see what he has, it just hits a place that that like a lot of people can only hope to hit other people in. I agree. And songwriting itself is difficult. Um, you know, if if you're a person who's ever tried to write a coherent song, uh, you fight yourself on it a lot. Oh, yeah. Is what you end up you you run into a lot of the time and. And from what we saw from him, he just let it flow. Whatever yeah. was on his mind, he let it out. And mm -hmm. it's amazing how some of his songs come together with that sort of a, a, a scheme in mind. Because I've, I don't even know if he had a scheme. Yeah, no, it's just <laughs> he just kind of let it go. It was it was uh, just completely from the heart. Yeah, so he's he's a special one of a kind, unique musician who's not even really a musician. And we'll talk a little bit about it, but we both just loved him so much. We wanted to make sure we didn't just focus on that right. throughout this episode because there's mental health issues here that we want to focus on, and, and that is the theme of the podcast and uh, the thing that we both connected with. So we definitely wanted to make sure we didn't like um, get it taken over with our fandom. Yeah, yeah fan <laughs> fanboying too much would have been a problem on this one. So definitely check out Daniel Johnson's music. It's really, really, really good. Um, you just have to give it a chance. So, okay. So uh, The Devil and Daniel Johnston. Steve, this was an incredibly moving documentary. Very moving, very detailed. Um, you know, almost down to a point where you sort of feel for him on his journey through this entire oh, of course. Uh, thing. Well, one of the, the the crazy things about it is this isn't just a documentary that was like shot after the fact. Right. Da Daniel was um, one of these people that recorded just so much of his life on video and audio. And so we just have all of this stuff um, from Daniel's life. And so Daniel, uh, his musical career and activity began around 1983 in Austin, Texas. Uh, the documentary takes us up from his childhood up through Austin, Texas, and then after. Right. Where he's sort of already a little bit artistic when he's growing up, but it's not in the scale of music. It's yeah. film and art and you know, other avenues. He's not really a musician until 1983. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. But, but the whole time, even from his kid, you, you get in the documentary, you get firsthand audio and firsthand video of him at the times that they're covering. So it's really interesting. And it's, it's just really, it's really real because that's, I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. So, but Daniel Johnson was eventually at the time diagnosed, um, manic depressive. Right. And that was that would be what we call bipolar now, right? And but he had uh, psychotic elements to it that were extreme. Yeah, a, a little bit of a of trouble with reality as a whole, right? Um, and, and there's a lot of conjecture to put in here as to what whether they got his diagnosis wrong. I think you could look at him from a million ways. It might even be nice to to have a short conversation with Ryan next week up top. Yeah, and asking what he thinks about Daniel Johnson because the it's just it's really extreme and and you guys know that I'm I have bipolar disorder and I've experienced some psychosis but definitely not on this level. Um, I know you deal with depression, Steve. Yeah, depression is really the thing that hits me the most. That again comes through a lot in my music. Um, and his is very odd because listening to his music, you don't get the feeling that this person is is bipolar or manic yeah, depressive. Yeah, it's not like, uh, 
I mean, he has some weird stuff, but it's not, his music isn't as dark as, as he is. Right. It's, it's very, a lot of it is lighthearted. A lot of it is, is feel good music in, in some cases. Um, and to know that he's struggling with, you know, bipolar disorder, what would be currently bipolar disorder during the time that he's writing this music is almost sort of a testament to the fact that he, he lives sort of this duality where, uh, a lot of the times he's just a normal guy and then he has these moments where the psychosis takes over yeah. and it gets to an extreme. Yeah. And, and so what we want to kind of explore with this is is whether or not that was any sort of um, help with right. his artistic side. So um, the documentary starts off, it's going to be in his childhood and uh, he's a guy who lives with He's got a super normal family. It's like a nuclear family. He's got two. He's got a brother and a sister. He's a, I think he's the middle child or is he the youngest child? Uh, he is the youngest That's child. That's right. He's the youngest. He's got two parents that stay together their whole lives and um, uh, they're a church going family. They live at their middle class family. They're just kind of like your classic nuclear family for that time period. Right. Um, and uh, from his parents' perspective, you know, Daniel is a, a normal, a super normal kid. Um, up until, I guess, the time where he, like, went to high school, his mom started mentioning that she noticed that his, like, outgoing personality sort of retreated and he lost a lot of his... Um, confidence? Yeah, yeah. She, she said, said that confidence was a big problem for him. And the, the religious portion of the family will actually play a role uh, in Daniel's later life. So it's important to recognize that the family was very devout. Yeah, yeah, they were, as were a lot of families around that time. And um, he, yeah, it's going to play a huge role into how his mind uh, works with everything that happens to him. But what I wanted to stop here and talk about was one of the things his mom says when they're covering the early parts of Daniel Johnston's life in his teen years was after she notes that he lost his confidence. Uh, Daniel starts really getting into art. He starts doing art. He starts doing, he starts making little home movies. Right. He starts playing, he kind of learned piano like the classic way you would as a kid with like piano lessons when he was right. a kid. But he starts, you know, writing songs and doing all this original stuff because he wants to be an artist or something like that. Right. I think it just calls to him. Yeah. I think it's really, it's sort of like a, like a self uh, soothing, like an escape almost. He doesn't have to be social yeah. uh, as an artist. And what she mentions here and what I wanted to stop about was after she talked about his confidence and what he started doing with his life at that time was she said this is the first sign that she could think of of Daniel's mental health problems starting. Right. And I guess I was wondering, we got to see Daniel. They explained in detail about Daniel in this time period. I, I was wondering what you saw and whether – like you saw any mental health issues arising in his teen years? Um, I think that the 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 loner lifestyle is an indication that there could be a potential mental health uh, cause, especially when you're so such an extrovert at a young age. Um, but I don't think that this would be anything closely related to any of the things that we run into in the yeah. future. I, I agree, and and. I, I guess what what struck me is that is I also I didn't really see I didn't see anything but a normal teenager, right? Yeah. He's just developing. He's just developing. Now he he does really jump into 
artistic stuff. Right. Right. Um, he's just a creative guy and he wants to be creative. His family really doesn't understand that and they don't understand his mindset in that. So they're not really supportive of it. Yeah. And they're not supportive of it at all. There's, there's a lot of issues with this family, but yeah. seeing that and knowing that his, his mother who didn't know what any of Daniel's problems were, yeah. even after they got diagnosed, she had to learn about him. Then when we hear from her in the documentary, she's applying what she knows in the future to his right. teen years right. and pointing out that now she sees that his mental illness started in his teens. Right. Which is purely speculative, kind of like we're doing now because right. there's a lot of events that happen between this point and the point where we really start to see it that could potentially point to there being other factors. Uh, and, you know, I, I, a lot of people will do the whole like crazy artist speculation thing. This is and, what I'm getting at is that right. she's like, she decides that because of where his life did go, right, that all of his like artistry and music music making in his teens were the sign of his mental illness. Come from the same place, yeah. And I I don't think that that's even fair to say. Um, his his artwork, his move, uh, his movie making. He was doing things that were far beyond his yeah, time. Yeah, you should explain this, Steve, because this is this is really interesting about Daniel. I know we said we weren't gonna. Yeah, we're not gonna die. Di- we're not in gonna harp hard. to. You know, we're not gonna try to like attach to this too much, but um, just kind of explain the kind of stuff he was doing and the level he was doing it at. Uh, his filmmaking was the most interesting, and that was because he used certain camera techniques and angles, filming angles. Uh, that were not popular during the time where he was making these films. These were not things that people had seen yet. He was filming on a Super 8 camera. Yep. Uh, it wasn't, you know, there wasn't all the rigging and things that we have now that allow people to get these crazy angles. He was just kind of doing it off the cuff. Um, and it showed a very artistic format when he was doing these things at a young age. And his artwork was the same way. It was very abstract. It was very different. It wasn't something that he was recreating. This was all his own thing. So immediately, like the point is is that Daniel is um, an original person. Right. Like everything he does, uh, you could, like there's definitely inspiration. Right. But but it comes straight from him. He's not copying anyone. Like the films he shot, uh, were compared to like um, what, like Buster Keaton, yeah. and Charlie Chaplin, right? And like he had no idea, you right? Know? And he was doing these things about his own life, and it was just his own experience put to film. It wasn't like he was trying to shoot these for anyone else. This was like little films he was making for himself. Um, and so, you know, having that that hyper religious rural lifestyle family. Um, I can't see where he would have even gotten the ability to gain those sorts of right. uh, homages that he would be paying to people. It would it would all have to sort of be coming off the cuff. Right. So so in in the theme of exploring, because I guess I, I want to keep an open mind. Obviously, his mom thinks that his like creativity and his mental illness are connected. So I want to keep an open mind as we talk today. Right. Um, even though you know I already have my opinions. Of course. But that, you know, he he's just this kind of natural creator, yeah, right? absolutely. And is that kind of, – I just want to think about this as we go forward. Is that tied in any way to the way his brain ends up developing? 
I would say that that is not a fair statement. Not at this point. Agreed. Uh, I agree. Over. I just want to keep. I just want to keep that in the air. In, in the air. <laughs> right. So uh, I I think the next best thing would be to fast forward to college. Yep. Um. So Daniel went to college uh, at a very small. Well, first he went to college and and did not have the best experience. Um, he was very homesick. He was not going to classes. Um, it wasn't the most suitable experience for him. So his parents brought him home and sent him to art school in Austin. Yeah. No. 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 no uh, was, in wherever they live. <laughs> yeah, in the small town that they live in. It was a it was a sister school for one of the larger schools. Um, and so he goes to art school and he has his first romantic experience. Sort of. Yeah, it wasn't exactly ideal for someone to to have this sort of experience, but he is infatuated with a girl, and they spend all of their time together. He films her, he you know draws for her, and she ends up leaving and marrying a mortician after yeah. college is so over. So it's like you know, it's a love that's never returned. Right. He has an unrequited love in college that serves as uh, an additional art muse for him in yeah. the future which actually ends up being through. really important for daniel right he uses he latches on to like the pain of of not um winning her love right as a way to fuel his creativity absolutely and it doesn't come through in a way like it would for a person like me with with a depressive sort of uh a vibe to it he still maintains some optimism uh, it's all it's it's all it's all very romantic right his lyrics and stuff right and so uh he basically has to give up on this unrequited love um in his college days and it's it's a very uh new and fresh experience for him he, like we, he grew up in a small town these are not the sort of things that people go through every day this is not the type of person you meet every day um so he finishes school right uh decides that he is going to well well first he, he has some problems well, here yeah. and i i want to stop here because um so we talked about his mom right. saying she saw sign you know those things reminded her of maybe him having mental illness stuff right. beginning in his teens um but we know about bipolar disorder that um, usually it begins in your late teens right. and early twenties area. That's a that's a really normal time for bipolar disorder to appear when brain development is finishing, basically. I yeah, I guess. Right. And this is where I saw in the documentaries where I saw the first signs of his bipolar disorder coming out, and that was um, the very first thing I saw is he stopped sleeping a lot. Right. When when this whole thing happens, he starts having a lot of a lot of just daily troubles. Um, he's he go, he recedes back into that whole uh, antisocial thing. Yeah. Uh, he stops sleeping, um, and he uses art as his escape when he decides that he can't sleep. Instead of mm -hmm. not doing anything, all he does is create in those times. Right, and. Another reason to really to pause here is this is also the first, the second time we get a big glimpse into the fact that his family's not very supportive, right, of him not being sort of their like vision of what they thought he was going to be. Yep. Um. So he starts staying up all night, 
uh, I think, was he living with his brother at this time? Uh, I think he was first living with his parents and they told him, or his brother told him that he could come stay with him. Right. Uh, and it continued with the brother. So so this is huge with me with the brother. Th- this speaks volumes for like the kind of support Daniel receives. And this is his whole life. So like the style of support his family offers him follows him throughout until the day he dies. Right. And, and and that is loving support, but not but never understanding. Right. Uh, and it's sad to see because no matter how much they love him, they still the parents even in the documentary just still just don't quite get it. Yeah, you know? they come off sort of uh, judgmental toward him. Yeah, and so his brother he's living with him, and he starts doing the thing where he's staying up all night, and that's for bipolar people that's huge. Like. One of the first things that happens to me when I know I'm going to kind of do any sort of swinging is my sleep pattern gets really weird. Yeah. And I mean, even for depressive, it's it's one of those things where you'll sleep during the day. Um, you'll spend most of your time away from people and sort of in, hmm. a, in a place where you'd rather sleep than be awake. Well, I guess that, that begs the question because Daniel did a lot of cr- like his intense creating during his stages where he was staying up all night, like, um, and I know you and I have talked about before how you'll go through periods where you have your sleep disrupted, but there's never any like pattern to it. Right. It's random. It doesn't ever, it doesn't follow like a, like a set sort of pattern. It just, sometimes I sleep during the day and sometimes I'll sleep for hours like more hours than i i have ever slept before there will be days where i sleep for 12 to 13 hours um and then there are days when everything is fine and you know it does mess up my sleep schedule and i end up awake uh, right. at really odd times and you know it doesn't help doesn't help at all um and you sort of then end up in these boredom loops where you're awake at times when other people are sleeping, so there's really no interaction for you to have with anyone, and everything is closed. Isolation. So kind of isolate yourself. Well, well, what I was going to ask you is, we see Daniel start creating a whole lot during these periods for him, and we know, being bipolar, he's up all night, but he's also going manic, so he's really intense and driven. Yeah. And so I don't, you know, for depression, I'm wondering as someone who does deal with depression, but also who is a creative person, and who writes and does his own creation. Steve not only writes songs, but he also writes on, you know, on paper and yeah. um, poetry and that kind of stuff. Uh, do you find yourself like when you're going and you get into your deeper or darker places, I guess, do you find yourself, is that when your like creative side comes out or is it totally different than the way Daniel deals with it? Uh, it's occasionally uh, when I get into the darker times. Uh, but for me, a lot of my my writing, a lot of my creativity comes out when I least expect it. And so what I've started doing is I write things down as they come to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there will be times when I'm at the grocery store and I, you know, get a memory of something or a feeling of some sort. And I have to take out my phone and write down something in my, my little notepad on my phone. Okay. Um, I don't see my creativity as you know, something that's triggered by those depressive times, uh, not nothing like we see from Daniel, nothing like the, the, the sheer amount that he creates during this time. And it's, it's intense. So the, the, the final point about the brother that I was originally getting to was in the support from his family. 
Um, he is going through this stage where he stops sleeping and it's the first time I was like, oh, he's, it's definitely beginning for him. Right. And he's not sleeping and he's doing a lot of weird things. Um, but one of the things he's doing is he starts making an album. Uh, and keep in mind, this is, this guy's never been in a band. He has no idea how to record. No, he's doing this all just. He's literally making it up as he as goes. He goes. Yeah. And the thing that gets me is the interview we get from the brother about this is in present time talking about the past. And he says something on the lines of, you know, Daniel would be in his room up all night, um, supposedly making a masterpiece, you know, like in quotation marks. And he says it in this like condescending way, like, like, oh, crazy Daniel in the other room thinking he's making this masterpiece. But yeah, he turns out he actually is. That's the thing. And that's that's the support he has is that Daniel actually was making a masterpiece and his brother knows that when he's giving the the interview, we're talking Daniel's music is um, inspired and looked up to by many uh, just artists, like uh, so many Nirvana, Sonic Youth, Beck, yeah. um, Florence and the Machines, like just so many like alternative style so singer songwriters. People. Yeah, and it all started with the album he created in his brother's garage. Yep. And that was uh, Hello, How Are You? Yes. Hi, How Are You? The, the unfinished album. Right. Or or finished a thousand times. Or, yeah, finished <laughs> individually <laughs> a, a thousand times. We'll get into that. Okay. So, okay. Okay. So that's just uh, just an example of like the kind of support that Daniel is getting. So it, that kind of follows him through his life. And you you notice that he 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 never turns to his family when it would have helped. Right. And I think that that comes from this exact type of attitude that they're showing, even in the future, knowing what the what Daniel has done with his life, knowing the influence that he has on people. I think that this comes from him recognizing that in his own family, which was even you know previously showcased in those films that he was making. He, he made a lot of films about his mom sort of... Mm-hmm yelling at him and downing him and being yeah. angry. And the films were always about how his mom yelled at him about being a stupid artist. And... Right. Right. Yeah. So there's there, he's there's a recognition that his family is not supportive from him in right. his own art. What happens next? So we go to we end up in Austin. We end up in Austin staying with his sister. Right. Uh where we first get the unfinished album being given to people, right? Released for the first time. Oh, we do have to talk about where I think he really, he really switched, which was the current was the right the carnival that's yeah. that's coming up after he stayed with his sister. Yeah. So after his brothers, he moves in with his sister because his brother couldn't handle Daniel anymore. Yep. And his sister did a lot better with him. She was. She seems like she's the only member of the family that really a hundred percent supported him. Right. Um, regardless of what, you know, the rest of the family felt, uh, she treated him like an adult. She treated him like he was capable of making his own decisions, including being an artist if he, if he wanted to. But being the time that they were in and almost any family not having any knowledge of mental health issues, even though the signs were glaring at them, uh, there was, there was no, um, there was no way for her to spot what was about to happen. No, none, none whatsoever. And 
So she mentions that they kind of trusted each other um, and that if he disappeared for a day, she didn't really get upset. If she disappeared for a day, he didn't really get upset. They just sort of let each other be who they were. Right. Uh, And so Daniel disappears for a little longer than she is comfortable with. Um, and she finds out that he has joined a carnival and gone on the road. This is the most bipolar thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the most bipolar thing. Random this snap is, judgment. This is when I went, okay, yeah, he's he's dealing with something. Something. He decides that the best idea is to join a carnival and go across country with them. Yeah, just out of the blue. And the carnival winds up in Austin, Texas. Um, he leaves the carnival after getting punched in the face by another carnival worker. Yep. And, uh, and he ends up in Austin handing his music out. He, he suffers a serious injury when this carny punches him. That's that's true. And, and that is where I said, there's a lot of conjecture to think about here. Yeah. Because this is a moment. It could be something that causes additional brain damage to him. Yeah. He specifically mentions that. He gets hit in the face by this, like, I guess, bigger, muscular guy, and he hits the ground, and he has serious issues with that head injury for, like, days after that. And he ends up wandering Austin after suffering a head injury, uh, looking for help. Um, He has no idea what to do. Yeah. He's alone. He's in an unfamiliar place. And a church actually ends up being... What takes him in? Yeah. So so basically, it's like we we obviously had already seen real signs of mental illness right. coming into Daniel's life, and and I don't think we can push that aside and say that that's not really happening to him. But there's part of me that thinks that some of the stuff that happened to Daniel were exasperated by his head injury. I, I think that that's entirely worth. Uh, uh, conjecting, yeah, conjecturing about <laughs> he he literally suffers a head injury that he says left him in a daze for for more than a few days. Yeah, like he's he's wandering the streets of Austin, completely unable mm-hmm. to sort of navigate, um, and only through the kindness of strangers, which is a very recurring theme in Daniel's life. Uh, is he able to sort of make it in this new and unfamiliar territory, which is where right. uh, Hi, How Are You is first released in Austin, Texas. He records the album and hands it out to strangers. Doesn't charge people for it. Doesn't, you know, plug himself at all. He just gives it away. Yeah, and he's his, like he's so genuine about it. There's an example. He, he ends up becoming friends with this guy who does reviews at like a newspaper. Yeah. And basically he walks in to hand him, you know, hello, how are you? The the tape. And the guy's like, oh, you know, I'll listen to this at some point. I don't know if I'm going to review it. But Daniel's just like, uh, I don't want you to review it. I just want you to listen. Yeah. And this is a gift for you. Yeah. <laughs> and there is this air that Daniel does think that he is amazing. Right. Like he knows that his music is amazing. Right. Or at least he thinks he knows. He he thinks he knows. What turns out though is that Daniel's style is so erratic and genuine and original sounding that even though it's just not very good. Not at all. 
it it strikes a chord with people who listen to it. It does. And it strikes an interesting chord with the guy who reviews this. He listens to it and almost can't believe what he's hearing. He he figures people need to hear this. Mm-hmm. Um and it doesn't it doesn't stop with just a music review. At this point, this guy is now trying to use his own connections to sort of promote daniel's yeah. music he wants to get him a show like a right, gig right and what he doesn't realize is that that album that daniel has recorded is a one-off every yeah. time daniel gives away one of these albums he's re-recording the entire album he has scratch. to go back home right <laughs> these are not he's not printing a bunch of albums these are single recordings he's recording them on a on a cassette player in his house by himself uh, and every time he gives one of these away, it has to be re-recorded. So none of the music sounds the same to any of the other people he's given these to. Right. So his experience with Daniel's music is original. It's it's very much like Daniel himself. Um, and so Daniel decides that, or, or this guy decides that he's going to use his connections to get Daniel a show, and Daniel opens for a local Austin band. Right, and it it takes off for Daniel there. After that, he he opens for whirlwind. The, he's a terrible, horrible live performer. Yep, but it's it's genuine and original and heartfelt, and it strikes a chord with people. Yeah, and, uh, like the night he plays the first time, he decides he wants to be a guitarist. Yeah, yeah, because he played uh, like yeah. organ and piano before yeah. that. <laughs> he had never played a guitar before, and the first time he performs, he's like, "No, I play guitar now," which and is. That's, and and that, that this is the other thing you start seeing is some other signs of bipolar disorder. Yeah, very and that's sporadic like, decision making. Yeah, and, and like um, feelings of grandiose, you know, yeah. thinking that you're amazing. Right, you know, my stuff is so good, even though it, technically it isn't. Right, he just he did capture something and from a talent and theory level. It's not amazing. From a, a creativity level, it's, it is amazing. It is amazing. So this is, I, I want to stop here again. He's given hello, how are you out to people? And his grandiose thoughts about who he is and what kind of artist he is. Yeah. Because I don't think Daniel sees himself as a lackluster player. He and doesn't. singer. I think that he thinks that he's just good. Yeah. Whereas it's a different, it's different when people hear it from what Daniel thinks it is. Right. And I, I don't even necessarily know if he thinks he's good I just think he thinks that his music is him and that he wants to share that with people. Similar to the way he just walked around handing out tapes. He's a a sharing type of person. Yeah. And so he just wants people to hear his music. He doesn't care if uh, about talent or music theory or anything like that. He just wants to share. And the fact that people are listening I think lends itself to that ideal of if I just put it out there, then I'm I'm accomplishing my mission. Well, yeah, it it kind of builds on itself for him too. Right. Like everything, he, like it would be hard to be Daniel as a bipolar person, right? Because all of those crazy big ideas that are um, on the level where a psychiatrist or therapist would be like, well, that's unrealistic, right? And so we have to understand that and that kind of stuff. Um, those all end up being just true for him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And they end up actually like, I think further reinforcing it. Yeah. 
And so I, I wanted to stop here again and ask the question again. Look at what Daniel's writing. Right. Is the mental illness that we know that he's experiencing, and now we definitely know he's experiencing a real mental illness, whether right. it's bipolar disorder or not, um, is this is this fueling his creativity? We know that he's he's staying up all night and writing music because of it. Right. I think that it's contributing to the amount that he's creating, but I still think that his creativity is inherent, that it's just been a part of him as a person since he was a kid. Yeah. And, you know, it's it doesn't just reflect in this art. It reflects in every piece of artwork he's ever come out with. Right. Um, and so I think that it's, affecting his the scale of how much he creates and how much he puts out but the level of creativity in his writing i don't think is affected by his mental illness at this point okay the reason i i just because i think a lot about uh, like artists like you know van gogh and right. uh oh my gosh there's so many i mean out there that you hear and it's like oh well they tortured artists right and people romanticize it so much as this wonderful thing i think artists are weird a lot of artists are are strange people i mean if you look at um you know da vinci da vinci saw himself as an artist whether or not you know it was inventing it was he invented in an artistic way um if you look at uh, even more recent artists, the guy that does does the four corner paintings. Uh, what's his name? I have no idea. You know, uh, he does like the multicolored paintings. He did one of the Beatles. He did just a ton oh, of like Warhol. Warhol, Andy okay. Warhol, another really weird artist. Just strange. They're like artists don't have to be normal. You know right. what I mean? But that I, also doesn't mean that they're, you know, mentally ill. Right. It doesn't mean that you're mentally ill. It just means that you don't, you go against the grain when it comes to societal norms. Right. And that's Daniel. Yeah. I just, I get hung up in the fact that I, I don't know how I feel about it exactly, but you hear, like I was saying, like I'm just using Van Gogh as an example because he always pops up first for me about people who, who like, uh, paint nostalgia onto the fact that Van Gogh was a horribly tortured soul. Yeah. He's a man who ended up committed suicide. Yeah. Um, but who was also a revolutionary genius in his art field. Self-mutilation. There was a lot of, yeah. a lot of things with Van Gogh. Yeah. And, but you know, centuries later, it just seems to be more of this great story. Right. And what I was going to ask you, because I have a firm opinion on this, um, would you rather have a Daniel Johnston and a Van Gogh because it was fueled by their mental illness? Let's say that's what fueled it, and that's why they were so great, you know, because that's what it seems to be people wrap them together. Right. Or would you just rather have these people have been well and not had their art at all? You know, I think that that would be sort of a selfish thing to ask because these people lived for their art. Van Gogh lived for his art. Mm -hmm. Daniel lived to create. Right. And I think if you could turn and ask any artist, even me as a person with the, the mental illness that I have and, and the trials and the things that I've gone through because of that mental illness, I wouldn't trade it. Yeah. Yes. 
what I'm thinking is these people would have created anyway. And this is the point I'm trying to make. Right. And what I what I think about in my head a lot is I think they would have created anyway. Right. I think so too. Whether or not they were ever had any issues, th- these people would have done it. My main thing is, would people have loved it? Maybe not as much. You know what you I know, mean? There's there's that phenomenon with musical artists where they don't love you until you're dead. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's the same situation where, yeah. you know, if Van Gogh or Dan Johnston weren't uh, widely known as these really, really tortured people, would people look back and then say, oh, they were genius? Or would they say, or like in Daniel's case, would anyone even have known him? You know, that's that's a really good question. And I think that some of the people that you get to experience in the in the movie, the interviews that they give him, they have that sort of naivety about him, that they don't know about the mental illness. They mm-hmm. don't know about uh, the things that are coming from Daniel in the future. And they love his art anyways. Um, so it's I think true, on but a they scale... Do... The masses don't know about Daniel, right. but the people around him do start seeing and noticing the fact that he's that he he's off. He's steadily in a decline, and but it's not until after they love his art. It's and true. so it's true. I think that maybe the number of people wouldn't have realized or recognized his creativity, but I think that the people that surrounded him still would have been able to identify yeah. the the artistry within him. Okay, so there's two more main things I want to talk about today. Um, and we're not trying to... We, Steve and I could literally talk about this for two hours. Hours, hours. And, but we're, <laughs> there's two more things I wanted to hit today, and that is our thoughts about the deepness of his mental illness and where it goes. Yeah. And then also I want to talk about his experience with Sonic Youth in New York. Okay. Those are the two main things. And maybe tack on a little bit of that airplane business. Yeah, the airplane thing is, is sort of an important thing to sort of show where the peak yeah, uh, of his mental illness hit, I think. So, uh, like, if we go chronologically, um, Daniel basically breaks down. Um, and just to keep it short, over the course of Daniel's life, he is in and out of mental institutions for his entire life, right? Un- until he's, you know, in his forties, and, and when he finally kind of just lives with his parents, and yeah, and he just kind of rides it out. Um, um, I oh, I totally forgot to say, um. Daniel Johnson passed away yeah, a few he, weeks he ago. He passed away a few weeks ago. He um, which uh, is, heart failure, right? Yeah, which is why we we did this episode. Is why it, this got brought up and and right. we it watched the documentary and why we wanted to talk about him. Um so thank you Daniel for everything you made. Absolutely. But um what what happens after the the hello how are you period is is kind of the descent into his mental illness. There's a couple pieces of conjecture here I wanted to talk about, but also I just wanted to talk about your reaction to um, the intensity of it because we do uh, a lot of people know what bipolar is, right? Right. This is the extreme version right. of it. Right. I mean, he has breaks like full on breaks with reality. Right. So first we have the conjecture piece I wanted to bring up, which is uh, Daniel had an experience. Um, he, he'd already been noticed by friends that he was different. Right. But he goes to see the butthole surfers. Right. <laughs> he drops acid. He drops acid and he has not a great time. Very, very bad time. But then he starts doing acid quite a bit. Yeah, he does it a few more times after hanging out with them. He starts experimenting more and more with with 
you know, psychoactive drugs. Uh, and he starts to have very religious connotations to his breaks with reality. And, and he, re- although he had started having breaks from reality, they, before this, they really more seemed just kind of like he was distant. Yeah. Very tame sort of, you know, antisocial breaks with reality. Nothing really as intense as the things that started happening when he started using drugs. So that's, that's my conjecture here is, is Daniel's, he's, you know, he has visions and he, and he sees demons and he, right. and he, it's all about God and Satan. Sees himself as, as brought on by God, a yeah. warrior of God to stop demons. I mean, some of his shows turned into him just preaching. preaching yeah. Uh, and it's it it's wild, and he makes and he'll make people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Some people view it as part of the experience. Yeah, I mean, some people saw it as just another part of his art, but really, these are things that didn't start happening until much later in his life and his career. Yeah, and so, but we know because they've been able to piece the timeline together that right. that the the deep deep stuff didn't didn't really rear its head until after the acid stuff and the head trauma and yeah i'm wondering if you think if psychoactive substances can have any impact on that kind of stuff absolutely and this is again we're not experts we're just i think psychoactive uh, psychoactive drugs of any kind just from you know scientific studies anything that alters your brain chemistry can have effects that aren't necessarily normal well, because we know now, and Ryan and I have talked about this on past episodes, that they're doing a fish, official research on, you know, mushrooms and, and LSD, LSD yeah. a, as to how they can help with like depression and other things. Right. Um, so it's like, okay, so a lot of people now think they can be beneficial, but, you know, I've known more than one person in my life. Well, I can think of one in particular that has some real problems, and they started after he was messing around with that kind of stuff. And I think that that's entirely possible. I mean, psychoactive drugs are something that has been so taboo for so long that hasn't really been given the the proper scientific study. Uh, so we don't really know the long-term effects that those things can have on your brain. Um, and you know, in a person with an already confirmed mental illness, right? what could they do dependent on that mental illness? Sure. And maybe they interact different with like somebody that would be bipolar or schizophrenic as opposed to like somebody with depression right. or another thing like that. But- and LSD is already seen as a very creative based drug. A lot of people use it for creativity, um, for, you know, thinking and, and expanding your mind and there's really no research, no real research on what happens when your brain isn't yeah. functioning. My conjecture is this about LSD. For certain people in certain with certain mental illnesses, I think that they're predisposed to certain things. Yeah. And I think that those substances can help like either get them there faster okay. or or like open the door all the way. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what I think could possibly be the case. Okay. Um, Cause it seems pretty quickly after Daniel does that stuff yeah. that he starts going into the almost immediate total delusions. Yeah. And we're talking, uh, you know, like nightmarish sort of, yeah. 
Um, there's a woman who says about Daniel, I know when Daniel passes away, he's going to go to heaven because he's already been to hell. Yeah. Because yeah. how extreme things were for him. So anyway, I just, I just thought that was something to think about as far yeah. as the experiences Daniel had. I, I wonder if, you know, and I don't know, I'm, I'm not a professional, right. I, I'm not educated. I wonder if Daniel didn't have his, his head trauma and he didn't do acid, if he would have been like, had a much more mild version of bipolar disorder. It's entirely possible, um, but we will never know. Yeah, unfortunately. Okay, so the, the other thing was, is I just wanted to hear from you, your perspective, um, as someone who doesn't have bipolar disorder. Right. As I, I wanted to know, like, and I think about this a lot, like, because we, we don't talk about like a lot, like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm bipolar and this is how it is. Like, right. I don't, I'm not always just like throwing it at you, you know? Right, so, and neither am I. So your opinions on it are still probably broadly based on what you just know about it from around, right? Right, visually experienced um, things that I've experienced with other people that I've known that have had bipolar disorder. Uh, and so- I. So I'm wondering like, yeah, I'm wondering like what, like in your mind before you saw this documentary, um, like what you thought bipolar is and then like how that, um, what did you think after knowing that he was bipolar? Like, were you confused? Uh, no, no, because as a person with depression, uh, you know, you experience the scale of depression. Um, and a lot of times it's, you know, more mild. Um, some people have very, very deep depression. Um, and it's all sort of dependent on your body's reaction to the lack of chemicals or too many chemicals or, you know, the things that your brain is supposed to be doing, the the levels it's supposed to maintain that it's not maintaining. Um, and so I know that, you know, things scale differently for each person. And, Daniel was on the extreme level. Okay, so there wasn't. So from what you knew about bipolar disorder, though, this this fit that this definitely fits some of the 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 context, some of the things that we see from him fits. And I agree with that. My thing was, and this could be a total bias because I experience it now. Right. I've said before, my diagnosis was is bipolar two, so it is different than like your more manic version, right? And, but just from experiencing it and seeing the extreme levels, Daniel was experiencing delusions mm -hmm. and, and hallucinations Yeah, and, and on an almost constant basis for periods of time. Yep. Um, just absolutely has no idea. One time he, he gets off a bus, uh, in the documentary, they tell you he gets off a bus and he starts walking around this town and he s knocks on this old lady's door and he thinks she's possessed by a demon and he he breaks into her door and chases her into her house. And she's an elderly lady who then to escape Daniel's like rage, cause he's trying to because like, he's frightening her yeah. so much. Yeah. She jumps out the window. Yeah. That is, and she breaks her like ankles. Yeah, she breaks both legs. And and how? What kind of a reaction does a person have to have? What are you doing to scare them so bad? <laughs> she wasn't doing anything. She... To, like to, that's what I'm saying. What are you doing as a person to scare them so bad that they jump out the window of their own home to get away from you? Yeah, and that's what I'm saying is that it's it was that level to yeah. where I had no 
connection with it. Right. And the only thing I kept thinking when I was watching Daniel and hearing about him was, this isn't bipolar disorder. He has to be schizophrenic. I just kept saying that in my mind. Right. But anyway, yeah, I just was wondering if you thought it was off the scale. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's hard to say because there's a lot of times that Daniel seems to have standard bipolar reactions to things. And then there are times when it's like this is not something that I've ever heard of yeah. from anybody with bipolar disorder. Yeah. It's like, I wonder if like this is like a case study. Yeah. It's, it's really poor Daniel, you know? Yeah. He went through a lot. I mean, like I said, years of mental institutions yeah. and, and he hated it. He yeah. just wanted to go home. Yeah. He just wanted to make more, make more art. Just wanted to create. You know, and he never... He never married. He never had a girlfriend. And yep. there's a lot, a lot of sad things about Daniel's life. Yeah. And it's, you want to sit back and, and say, oh, there was good and stuff. But in reality, Daniel's life was really just kind of tragic. Very tragic. Um, I, I think he made the best of it. He He spent his last years just writing music. Yeah. yeah playing with uh, a little punk band in his town of like teenagers yeah that was pretty cool yeah um playing south by southwest i mean as an artist as somebody who does that i could only dream of getting yeah. to stand on a main stage at south by southwest yeah he did all sorts of stuff he got he got signed by you know a couple record labels uh like what was it capital records or capital and uh atlantic were yeah. arguing over him yeah like bid warring over him creating yeah. these insane contracts that no other artist has ever been offered like oh man that one record company really impressed me yeah they uh, gave him masters rights to all of his music yeah they they put in his contract that they they worked around his mental illness yeah they could not drop him for f not finishing an album yeah he was he had a certain deal. Yep. He was never, he had no time limit on anything. Yep. He didn't have to sell a certain amount. It was like this, nobody gets the this deal. The golden contract. Yeah. But, you know, Daniel, um, uh, j just to show you the peak, um, and then we'll wrap this up about everything, was um, the experience with the, the airplane and his dad. Yeah. Um, this is when it got scary. Yeah. Um, so Daniel, like we mentioned before, he, he got to play some very cool th shows, very, very abstract, uh, like different songwriter, singer, songwriter groups all voted him as one of the most influential singer songwriters in Austin, Texas for folk music. And so one of them invited him to play. And at this point, Daniel had been in a mental institution for a little while, and so one of the stipulations was um, that he basically was released under the care of his father. Uh, and so he goes to the show, he plays the show, but what Daniel doesn't tell anyone is that he stopped taking his medication a couple of days before the show. Mm, for the dumbest reason, too. Yeah. Because he, he wanted to... He wanted the emotion to be there. Right. He wanted to, to be able to play through his songs and to really feel them. And not to like go off the rails here too, but there's a whole theme of medication in this movie too. That's really, it's really interesting. You should watch this documentary, um, The Devil and Daniel Johnston. He he has a really hard time with his meds. Yeah. And so this is like the, 
of just a really raw view of what mental illness is. So I, I just recommend it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so his dad flies planes. And so they fly to Austin to take part in the singer songwriter association, uh, concert. And Daniel has an amazing show. Yep. He plays, uh, a few songs and gets, chanted back on stage to do another song and you know people are just going crazy because he hasn't played in forever and he really lives it up for those those few moments on stage um and when he gets off of stage his dad notes that he's started acting weird again Mm -hmm. that he started to do things that are out of character for him when he's on his medication uh and they have to leave. They have to leave. They yeah. have to get on the plane and fly home. And his dad's a pilot. His dad is the pilot at this point. Uh, and his dad, they go to the runway uh, very quickly. He wants to get him home as soon as possible. Uh, they get in the plane and they get into the air. And when they're about halfway between Austin and and their hometown, Daniel starts to say very scary things to his dad. Uh, and he takes the keys out of the ignition of the plane and throws them out the window while they're in the air. Turns off the plane and tosses the keys. Uh, and Daniel and his dad survive the, the plane crash. This is, this is, he's been told to do this, by the right, way. Right, By voices. Voices, the, he's, he's hearing people telling him that, you know, this is what he needs to do. So the plane goes down, and Daniel's dad, being a very experienced pilot, uh, saves their lives, keeps them from crashing in a way that would kill them both. Which is insane to think about. Yeah. He like, he, he like belly ups into a bunch of trees. He's like, and he says this so nonchalantly too. He's like, well, you know, I ditch into a couple of trees like the air force taught me. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like it's no big deal. Like he's, he, he'd done it a million times. And they're like barely I mean? even injured. Yeah. No, I think Daniel gets a couple scratches. His dad doesn't have any injuries whatsoever. Um, and it just, that was probably the scariest yeah. that his delusions ever got. The reason why I think this is so important is if you ever had anyone who questioned w- that mental illness was a real thing, just tell them the story about Daniel Johnston taking the keys out of an airplane because right. Satan told him to while they were in the air. Yes. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's just such a real thing that it, it, extends outside of you know their own reality right and i think that that's just another uh a facet of the 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 steady decline that we see daniel go down uh from about the time in austin until this point is that it's very they're drastic jumps it starts out very mild and then it moves into something a little more uh a little larger and then a little larger until, you know, people are jumping out of windows and breaking their ankles and he's crashing planes. I mean, he's, he's a danger to have around and it's, it's sad. Yeah. Very troubled. And so that, that kind of brings it full circle into what I really wanted to talk about in this episode. And we've, we've mentioned it a few times already and that, and that's the opinion and like the pop culture, version of the tortured artist yeah and doesn't even scratch the surface of how it can really be yeah and it's just like you know 
if anyone that we can have as much like documented footage of that was a tortured artist exists, it's Daniel Johnston. Yeah. And it's like, in my opinion, as someone who uh, has a version of what he has, a much more mild version, I can tell you firsthand, and I'm a creative person. Everyone knows I've, I never stopped making things, right? right. Music, videos. Uh, yeah, you know. they'll get a chance to hear the music here. To <laughs> I think you called me a content creator one time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, you know, podcast, music, you know, videos. I've seen a lot of things that you've created and, and you definitely have an artistic soul. I just, yeah, and I just can't stop. So I really relate to that. And right. I can I can tell you firsthand, firsthand that if I could trade my creative side to not be sick all the time, I would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. If I could just not feel so bad all the time. <laughs> yeah, man. And I like I said, I think that that's a very subjective question. It really depends on the person. Like I love creating, you know, uh, but sometimes it's, sometimes I don't even want to, and no, I'm I like, I feel understand. forced. Yeah. It's, it's like, there's, it's your mental illness holding it over you. Yeah. And, and so I'm just saying it's not as, it's not this beautiful thing. And this documentary just highlights that so well that it's, whether or not we get something great from somebody, whether we have a Van Gogh or. Right. There's so many, and I'm just only using one <laughs> example. There's so many of them too, <laughs> Kirk Cobain. But yeah, uh, it's just um, it, it's not it's not this nostalgic, great romantic thing that gets portrayed in pop culture a lot, right? As this really cool thing, you know? Oh, and it bothers me that pop culture shows that you know in some of the the movies and things where they show the whole tortured artist thing, it, it bothers me that they show these people just all of a sudden snapping out of it one day and they're still really artistic and creative, but they're totally normal and functioning people in society now. Like that, mm, that that's to me a, is... That's a really common thing they do in like <laughs> all... <laughs> like if you go listen to all of our episodes, that probably happens in, in most... In everything. Yeah, like most like portrayals of mental illness, they always just like magically get better. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a really bothersome thing, especially as a person who continues like my depression does keep me from things that have to do with my art. Like performing is really hard when you're depressed. Yeah. It's it's not something you can even find the the motivation to do. Well, that's why I was interested in if you created or not when you were having your depression stuff yeah. happening because like for me it gets amplified but i would imagine that it gets shut down yeah for me it's it's a lot of the opposite it's um my creative points come more or more when i'm not depressed than they do when i am the depressive moments help me write things the the being able to sort of recapture that feeling or to try to to remember what those moments feel like uh does help me sort of write my sad sappy songs but uh when it comes to actually putting any of those to practice right depression is not my friend on that one so and we touched on this earlier but just to really pound it in there 
Daniel Johnston, both of us think that he is a natural, like completely original style genius. Absolutely. And the fact that he- Creativity. He just creates from nothing, like no training and he just, he hits a really special magical- place yeah when you see or hear his stuff and it it almost doesn't make sense because you can hear the music you know that it's bad you know <laughs> yeah, that it, it doesn't bad. he's he's his problems with tempo and his problems like i said with music theory oh my gosh can't even tune his guitar yeah no not at all there's so many out of tune songs <laughs> and i mean even the piano playing like it's not super great it's not it's it's very rudimentary it's very basic it's the the combination of all of it and how genuine he is mm -hmm. when he's making this music that really shines through all of the imperfections and the flaws. So so that begs the the question again after we talked about it and we had a lot of conjecture about Daniel Johnston. Even so, he would have been a creative person we decided. Yes. Mental illness or not. Would he have, without his mental illness, if he wasn't a mentally ill person? Because, I mean, he was going to be, right? Right. right. It, if he wasn't, would, would he have captured that? Or, or, or is that coming from that place? I think that he would have still captured it. I think that as a genuine, just a genuine creator, someone who, who really puts their all into a project, that Daniel Johnston is an enigma. He is not something that we can figure out yeah. By trying to analyze his mental illness, he's not something that you can recreate. Um, it he's he's a one off. I well, and I also think that it, he also be what his mental illness did for him helped with recognition. Right. Even even though he did get noticed first, I think it helped. Like his story got blown up more because of it. Right. And like I think like right now there are so many full-on geniuses sitting in their basement making something and no one will ever hear it, you know, yeah. or see it. So I, yeah, I'm just like, I don't think that they tied together completely at all. Yeah. I don't think it's romantic. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not something to romanticize. His experiences were insanity. Yeah. He literally, he literally went through periods of insanity. He had, demons that he was chasing into people's homes and Satan tell him to crash planes. Like he lived a life that people would mm. never want to live. Yeah. So I, I just really wanted to pound that in. I talked about it in a few other episodes and Ryan and I had briefly gone over it that I, I have this opinion um, about pop culture's representation of mental illness uh, paired with creativity and so I just wanted to do a whole episode on it and kind of talk about it. Um, Dan, this this documentary is just super real and awesome. You should watch it. And uh, but to play off on the fact that we were just talking about how terrible his music is, even though it's great. Yeah. Um, what I want to do here, real quick, is I'm going to play a song by Daniel Johnston. I think that's an awesome idea. Uh, and and then afterwards, um, we are going to play our cover of that same song. And I think that that is an even more awesome idea. <laughs> so uh, Steve is an awesome singer. It was super fun to record this with him. Um, 
uh, on a bench yeah. <laughs> next to a bed. We did this in like the most podunk way ever. Yeah, absolutely. It was very, very uh, authentic though. Yeah, yeah. And Almost it was fun. It was so way. much fun. I love recording. It was awesome. So we recorded a cover of, of Daniel's song, but we really wanted to give you an idea of a song we both really like of Daniel's. And um, it, it, I think it holds all of that like um, terribleness, like a no talent, but also like virtuoso of like getting to your heart. Yeah. And it just, it holds it all for me. So this, this song by Daniel Johnson is called Hey Joe. Okay, that was Hey Joe by Daniel Johnston. Very rudimentary, like we said. Yeah, it, but um, beautiful, I think. Yeah. I just think it's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. His, it, his emotion really shines through on this song as one of them. He has, there is like a particular song that people just adore. What is that one called? Uh, True Love Will Find You in the End. Yeah, so that is like usually most people's go-to like show you who Daniel Johnston is yeah. song. This is the one that I like. 
I, I think it kind of stuck with us both. Um, you know, they played a few of his songs during the the documentary, and a lot of them stuck with me enough to for me to go back and listen to them again. Uh, but Hey Joe was a uh, was was one of those that I think hit the both of us about this the sort of the same level. It just does that thing where it's like, is this good? And then all of a sudden you go, oh my gosh, it's so good. Right. Like you, you can imagine so many other things to go along with it. Yeah. Which is what we did. What we did. Okay. So here is, um, we, what we did is, and we, I don't know if we thought this is what Daniel would want us to do. We originally just like played it live and just recorded it two microphones, Steve singing me playing guitar. Yeah. And then afterwards I was like, but that's not how I do things. Right. And Daniel was someone who did things how he wanted to do them. So I wanted to do it how I wanted to do it. Right. And Steve was game to get weird. Yeah. And I said, you know, the weirder, the better. So we made our own version. And what we did is we we visualized what we thought in our, we made what we heard. Right. And it came pretty close to I think being so. a full on, like... Pop song. Pop song. Yeah. Yeah, and it sounds amazing. I mean, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the bass drum's too loud, but I'm done mixing it. So, all right, guys, here is uh, Steve Reichert and Mike Graham's uh, cover of Hey Joe. Hey Joe. Thanks, guys. I hope you enjoy it. Jude, come on, Joe, don't make that sad song any sadder than it already is. Hey, Jack, get back, get yourself together. Come on, come on. I know you're thinking of your nervous love. No matter what you did, it can work out was our stuff hope you loved that guys as much <laughs> as we loved making it it was a ton of fun yeah i really hope you guys like that and definitely like you know we love feedback yeah yeah so let feel us know free. 
Yeah, definitely, like, you know, write to one of the pop psych uh, socials and let us know if you liked it or not. Yeah. Um, other than that, though, guys, this has been an awesome episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the uh, Devil and Daniel Johnston episode. But we do have to get to our ratings that we do every week on Pop Psych. Ratings. So every week on Pop Psych, we rate one out of five um, on two different scales. Normally, Ryan rates for the accuracy of portrayal, um, usually when we're doing fiction. But I'm going to take over that one today. And uh, Steve's going to rate one out of five on his enjoyment or like critic level of of the actual documentary that we did. Yeah. Um, so, Steve, what do you got? Uh, I rated one out of five uh, incorrect chords. Okay, perfect. Uh, and I actually love this documentary. I think that Daniel Johnston's life is entirely uh, amazing to see um, that a person can, can go through as much as he did and still come out on the other side, making music, even all those years later um, after all of the things that he went through. And I gave it a five out of five, five out of five incorrect chords for the devil and Daniel Johnston for me. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good documentary. I agree. Uh, it's it's a, it's an emotional like it. What a documentary is supposed to do, it does all of that, and and then more for me. Way more. Um, <laughs> like the, the the I love found footage stuff. So being able to watch real live footage of his life was very eye opening for me. Uh, gives you a better peek into who he is as a person. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to cover what we normally do is like a an accuracy thing, and as Ryan always says, it is impossible to not give five out of five whatever's on a real life subject i, I would agree there we're gonna do one i'm gonna do one out of five wacky eyeballs because he does this like uh wacky eyeball thing in all of his artwork yeah it's pretty cool i don't think he calls it a wacky eyeball but we're gonna call it a wacky eyeball that works all right all right okay so out of five i, I mean i have to rate it a five it's real life yeah um obviously it's what he experienced um but the reason why I think this five is important because Pop Psych, this will be our 47th full episode covering a specific uh, media item, a movie, a book, TV, whatever. Right. And out of everything for me so far, this has been, um, there's been other perfect portrayals. Uh, especially a couple other documentaries we've done, but this has been the closest and the most front seat view we've gotten of mental illness to real mental illness yeah. to someone's actual life. Yeah. They're like to this kind of mental illness, right? This is uh, someone with a very intense, very intense issues. And because Daniel recorded so much in audio and video, we are there with him throughout the eighties and early 90s, um, it's going through it. Yeah, even through some of his times where he has those breaks and he's preaching on stage, there's real recorded footage of it happening to him. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's almost impossible not to really understand, like get a visual yeah. representation of what he was what was happening to him. I just think it's it's a good um if someone's ever wondering about mental illness or how, if anyone's ever like, how extreme can mental illness be? Like, this is a really good documentary to show them because it's also, although it is intense what he experiences, they don't put it out in a really dark and horrible way for you. So 
Five out of five. And um, that's going to do it for us today. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. Next week, Ryan and I will be back uh, together again, starting of season two, I guess, is what we're calling it. Season two? <laughs> that's awesome. But um, first, before we get out of here, i got to thank Kevin McLeod for all the music besides the stuff we made today that we use on the show. Uh, you can find Kevin and his music at filmmusic.io. Steve, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me on, man. It's It's been a pleasure. True. Love will find you in the end. You'll find out just who was your friend. Don't be sad, I know you will. But don't give up until true love find you in the end This is a promise with a catch Only if you're looking can it find you It's true love is searching too recognize you unless you step out into the light, the light. Don't be sad, I know you will. But don't give up until true love will find you in the end.